Hello, and welcome to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran. Your body has the same number of bacterial and human cells, and their genes outnumber the genes in your DNA by more than 1,000 to 1. They're microbes, and together they make up what is known as your microbiome. Today, we're joined by Dr. Sarah K. Highlander, research professor in the Pathogen and Microbiome Division at TGen North and director of TGen's Clinical Microbiome Service Center. Dr. Highlander, welcome. Good morning. What can the microbiome teach us about human health? We're really intimately tied to our um, microbiome. Um, They're essential to our health. They're essential to um, digestion, to nutrition, to uh, educating our immune systems, and to protecting us from uh, pathogenic disease. Um, If we didn't have our microbiome, uh, we wouldn't exist. And this is kind of the genesis of personalized medicine. Well, it can be because our our individual microbiomes are, are unique. And the idea for personalized medicine with the microbiome is that um, we may uh, ultimately be able to find ways to get rid of the bad players and enrich for the good players in the microbiome. So how does the microbiome fit in with the concept of precision medicine? We have our own personal fingerprint, and we're beginning to um, identify changes um, from the norm and we can look again for the presence of pathogens or opportunistic pathogens that uh, tend to bloom in cases of disease. So how does the study of the microbiome work within the idea of TGen's One Health Collaborative? Can you explain that? The One Health Collaborative um, includes uh, all environments. It includes humans, animals, and the environment, and each one of these has their own particular type of microbiome. So there's a microbiome of water, there's a microbiome in animals, of course, I'm thinking of mammals in particular, and then of course the human microbiome um, with different bacteria at different sites of the body. And again, there can be changes in these uh, microbiota that can signal problems um, in any one of these environments. And that's the One Health initiative is to, to consider all of the things that affect human health, not just the human uh, in an isolated sense. And can we use the microbiome to help understand cancer? We are beginning to to get there. Certainly, um, there have been for many years associations of viruses with cancer. And uh, Helicobacter pylori, the organism that causes ulcers, has been absolutely shown um, to cause uh, stomach and duodenal cancer. But now we're starting to identify some new uh, organisms that make toxins that can lead to DNA damage. We are identifying organisms that cause uh, inflammation in the gut in particular that can lead to um, uh, precancerous conditions. And some of these mechanisms are now being teased out. Um, I think we'll find out more of that as, as time goes on, but there will be other organisms certainly uh, implicated in cancer. What about diabetes? Can we use the microbiome to learn more about that? Yes. Um, this is Some of this, uh, these results are a little um, preliminary and a little contradictory, but um, there seems to be a change in the microbiome in children um, that precedes the conversion to type 1 diabetes. Uh, there are also um, are changes in the microbiome uh, in adults with type 2 diabetes. These people have... Um, 
different uh, sets of organisms and a loss of some of the good organisms, those that produce short-chain fatty acids, which are good um, for fueling the gut. So um, it would be nice to think that we could use the microbiome to intervene um, in diabetes. Again, the results are preliminary. Um, one of our collaborators um, at the City of Hope, Bart Rope, has been doing fecal uh, microbiota transplants and having some success in mitigating diabetes. Um, so there's a lot more to come in this field for sure. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, how far are, are we, do you think, in using the microbiome to understand or actually make medical differences in cancer, diabetes, traveler's sickness, that kind of thing? Well, we're still in the preliminary stages of having therapeutics or biotherapies. These would be sort of specialized probiotics that could make changes in the microbiome. Um, this is still in its infancy, um, but these are the kinds of things that we're hoping that we can um, move toward. Organisms that have special activities that can, um, can again, mitigate disease, can change the microbiome and, and mitigate disease. You're obviously a curious and motivated scientist. What do you find most fascinating about studying the microbiome? Uh, I'm most interested about the metabolic potential of microbiome. I, that may be <clears throat> perhaps because I uh, have studied bacterial physiology and, and uh, I'm interested in biochemistry as well. But these thousand extra genes have such an impl implication for um, contributing to the metabolic power of the, of the human organism. And so that's what I'm really interested in, in particular about the microbiome. Without these metabolic potentials, we wouldn't survive without these organisms. You did recently publish a paper about traveler's diarrhea and used genomic sequencing to learn more about the condition. What were some of your findings? This was work that we did in collaboration with Dr. Bert DuPont at the University of Texas School of Public Health. He's an expert in, tra he's a physician and an expert in traveler's diarrhea. And one of the things about traveler's diarrhea and many diarrheas is that between 20 and 40% of the cases um, have no known etiology or no known cause, no organism that's particularly identified with it. And so what we did in a, a series of stool samples that he had collected from students who traveled from the United States to Mexico to spend the summer with families, that they, um, w we collected stools from these students who developed tra traveler's diarrhea and some healthy controls who had also traveled. And we did deep metagenomic sequencing on these samples looking for new pathogens or for different patterns of pathogenesis. And the results of this study were that in general we found the pathogens that are usually involved in diarrhea, but we found that in many samples we had more than one pathogen. And the normal paradigm in disease, in infectious disease, is to think of one organism, one disease, or one infection. But in many cases, we found uh, multiple e different types of pathogenic e, e. coli um, or uh, other organisms that might be uh, that are, are known as traveler's diarrhea pathogens. Another interesting thing from this study was that we looked at what's called the dark matter. And these are bacterial genomes that we could assemble, but have never been discovered by um, growing organisms. Um, so only a small percentage of all the bacteria in the world have actually been cultivated. 
And um, these particular organisms, in particular there was one, it's called a TM7, um, had some pathogenic features on it that made us perhaps predict that it was the cause of traveler's diarrhea in one particular patient. So we found a lot of dark matter organisms that these, again, are organisms that have not ever been identified before. These are the genomes of these organisms, but we, we don't know what their role in pathogenesis might be. A lot more research and information to come. Dr. Sarah K. Highlander, thanks a lot for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Dr. Sarah Highlander, research professor in the Pathogen and Microbiome Division at TGen North and director of TGen's Clinical Microbiome Service Center. She's also a leading authority on traveler's diarrhea. To learn more about her research, visit tgennorth.org. This is TGen Talks. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Moran.